Hey there, and welcome back to my Camino on a Treadmill. I'm walking, redoing the Camino on my treadmill in Galway, Ireland, following BK Lee. I'm on my day 38. Hope you're still listening. <laughs> uh, my cousin Mossy listens a bit. I get the odd bit of feedback from him, so at least I've got... What am I talking about? Sorry, I've got millions of listeners, of course. Sorry, my producer just reminded me there. So anyway, BK Lee is somewhere between Navarrete and Nahara. I'm following his video. And at this stage, I was walking with Mark from New Zealand, wondering would I ever meet Julia from Roma again. Stay tuned to find out. Um, just grab my phone here. So, no notes for today. I'm through with notes. What am I going to talk about, though? I did have a couple of things in mind, so let's see. Um, Decalogue, the Kieslowski films. I think I had something to say about those. I have now watched seven of them. And I thought I had something to say about them. I was talking to my colleague Kieran about Decalogue 1. That is still my favourite of all of them. Highly recommend it. They're by Krzysztof Kieślowski, better known to many people for his uh, uh, Three Colours trilogy, Three Colours Red, White and Blue, inspired by the colours of the French flag. So we've got vineyards here to the right, some sort of monolithic building to the left. Ooh, monolithic, another $10 word. So uh, walking in a bit of shade, that's nice. You gotta admire BK, he just keeps going. No stopping him. Uh, you know, I might take it easy today. I'm not going too fast, as I'm at 4.2 kilometers an hour. It's um, Sunday evening. It's late, it's like uh, quarter to, what is that? Quarter to 11, so I'll be finished this and in bed by about midnight. Um, can hear the click of BK sticks. He just keeps on going, keeps on a trucking. You know, I'll go to 4.4. Not sure I'm crazy about doing this at night time, but felt like the right time because I've really got to stop missing days, you know? This could drag on for too long. Uh, also, I just finished a uh, submission for my editor of my book. No, I don't have a publisher in place yet, but I do have an editor on board. Just, honestly, without the deadlines, I would have quit my first draft, you know? I seem to have worked myself, worked through a hard bit where I would normally quit, you know, in or around 40,000 words. Start slowing down. I'm now at 56,000. What was important the last time the last two, the last time I just submitted just over 3,000 words, I forgot that until today. Look at the wind blowing through the trees. Still reminds me of that Abbas Karistami film. Whichever one has the, that shot of the wind blowing through the trees. We're going over a footbridge now, kind of narrow footbridge. Looks a bit rickety. Moment of drama, intense drama here. And we've made it. Whew. That was close, eh? So now we're on a narrow dirt path. And I tell you what, there better not be any cyclists. Oh, oh boy. If I see some cyclists here, if I saw them on a path like this and I was armed, I'd uh, shoot them on the spot. And I think I would be exonerated by the public. Hopefully they have some bylaws about shooting bike cyclists on the Camino, that you're, you know, still dig up, my lawyer would dig up some ancient law, so, or a canon law, maybe, I don't know, it's got to be there somewhere, right, got to be some protection for holy pilgrims shooting cyclists who, who are, um, I mean, maybe blasphemy, blasphemy laws, right, they're blaspheming the Camino, yeah, anyway, it's all hypothetical at the moment, but, if I do the Camino again, I might just bring a gun. That's all I'm saying. 
probably should research the laws first. I might talk to a solicitor in advance, make sure I have an angle. I'd be doing people a favour, you know. Now, maybe I'd just be a sniper picking off cyclists. I would stop them doing the Camino. Okay, I'll stop joking about that now. Crap like that goes on in real life. I remember when I was in Georgia, yes, around the time of the car chase that I was allegedly in, that I was in, I wasn't the guilty party. Um, around that time, there was a shooter on the loose, but he was in, um, like, Birmingham, Alabama, which I think was only an hour from where I was. There's a guy and a kid, young kid. He wasn't his son, though, but they were going around in a car and they had rigged up with the... He was lying in the boot of the car and the trunk with the hole kind of made and he could shoot people through that. I don't think they ever found a clear motive. That was going on around the time I was there. The time I was in London, the nail bomber was on the loose. I'm detecting a pattern here. That was strange, the nail bomber. He just hated minorities. The one place, last place he bombed where there were fat actual fatalities was the um, the bar on Old, Old Compton Street. Um, what was it called? There's something Admiral or... I, I can't remember. I've, I've passed by it lots of times since. I mean, it's, uh, it's thriving now. It, it would have been, or is a gay bar. And uh, Old Compton Street, I think maybe there's a couple of gay bars there. I don't know. I like that part of Soho. It's still got a little bit of spark left. There's a little Italian restaurant, family restaurant called Apollo Bar. Apollo, which is chicken, I think, isn't it? Or something. It's not like fancy or anything. And the upstairs is nice. The downstairs is a bit sort of utilitarian. But no, I just, I like it because it's not fancy, you know, because Soho, for anyone who knows it, it's just kind of losing all its character. I've talked about this before. I know it because there's a bit of filmmaking, editing goes on there. But, I mean, they've got rid of, I think, all the brothels. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Uh, there's still some, I think, uh, dirty magazine shops, one or two, but not that many. But it's just... That's not the problem. The problem is it's just corporate. Everything has just got, has got so corporate now. It's the same in Galway. And like I was talking the, t the other day, the time I was in that Shebeen in Belfast, that obviously had some dodgy IRA connections. If it's Shebeen, that's an illegal pub, so of course there's got to be some paramilitary vibe going on there. But as the PSNI, the police force there would say, would think, I'm sure, if that's all they're doing, we can tolerate that. But yeah, just, I had a great experience there, and there was something about it being a bit little dodgy, a little shady. <laughs> I, I just suddenly remembered now an image from Granville Street in Vancouver. I spent a year in Vancouver. It's a nice place. I don't know, I think like Montreal, but definitely has more character. I think Toronto has more character than Vancouver, to be honest. But Vancouver is nice, pretty place, well-run, all that. For me, it was missing a little je ne sais quoi. But hey, that's just me. But Granville Street, which is kind of in the centre, that's just a little seedy. I saw a great documentary about a woman who, at one stage, at a low point in her life, was working in a... They used to have peep shows and th strip bars and things. I don't know if they still have those in Granville Street, but it's definitely... Yeah, I wouldn't have hung around there a lot. It's definitely a little run down. But I do remember, and I'm pretty sure it was in that area. <laughs> I don't know if I've told this story here before. I guess I'm marking these all as explicit now. But this guy from... I'm going to say New Zealand. Look, I had a New Zealand, Australia... For my ears, hard to tell the difference sometimes. And, and somehow I ended up in a dark alley. You're going to say, you know, I was there by design. I most certainly wasn't. 
in my memory, it was a dark alley. It was, it was probably just outside a bar or something. And he goes, uh, what does he go? Will you give me a tin or if I give you a flap? And I'm like, uh, so, sorry? <laughs> Normally, if someone you don't know propositions you in a dark alley, okay, I don't think it was a dark alley, but let's just stick with that for the story. Normally, just keep moving, right? But of course, typical Irish man here. I was going to say curious Irish man, but that could be taken wrong. Well, I was curious about what the word meant. Afterwards, I, I kind of thought, hey, I'm pretty sure I know what it means. No one has ever confirmed it for me. So I said, sorry? He goes, when you give me a tinner, if I give you a flamp. And I go, uh, again, second time, I'm like, that, yeah, I should have thought, uh, no thanks, and moved on. But I just go, what's a flap? <laughs> and he gets all embarrassed then. <laughs> it's so typical me, like, you know, seriously, whatever a flap is, and I have a fair idea what it is, I wasn't interested. Not judging anyone who would be interested. Ah, sorry, I hit my mic there. But I don't know, even if I was, I don't know, like on a street, is that the place for a flap? <laughs> Whatever a flap is. So I go anyway, yeah, well, uh, sorry, what's a flap? And then he gets all embarrassed and he's kind of shifty-eyed looking down at the ground. And the thing is, yeah, he didn't look dodgy, so I was didn't feel under any threat. I could surmise that he may have had a drug problem, which there's a part of Vancouver that I wouldn't really walk up, East Hastings. There's a lot of that around there. I guess I wasn't a million miles away. East, you got Gastown, which is real touristy and nice. You just go a few blocks away from that. Uh, a few blocks north, north of that, isn't it? Oops. Keep hitting the mic. And you've got East Hastings, and that is like, it's quite sad to see. A lot of drug addicts, I think the city looks after them better than other cities, but a lot of them just standing out in the rain. It's sad. I think a lot of Canadian drug addicts end up in Vancouver because you won't die on the streets there from cold. It's kind of practical, you know. So anyway, I go, what's a flap? And he's like uh, embarrassed and shifty-eyed. And I think, I think then I kind of went, okay, uh, I don't think I want, okay, see you, bye. Kept moving. But I don't know what amused me, still amuses me. Uh, well, first of all, I hope the guy's okay. I just, I don't think anyone plans their, their life that that's, you know, they end up making propositions like that. I don't think that's the game plan for most of us. So I hope he's okay. But uh, I, I just looking at it objectively, it amused me and amuses me now that he had no problem offering to do the, you know, give me this flap and had, would have had no problem, I presume, in going ahead with it if I had said, yeah, sure, bring it on. <laughs> but he was embarrassed to say what it was. I, I, that sort of amuses me, but I, I, as I said, I don't have any ill intent for the guy at all. Hey, you know, things amuse me, but, you know, just it's more just a verbal construct. And uh, I, I think I forgot that story for years, and then I just came back to me and I was telling someone, and I was like, it almost, it feels like a dream, like I imagined it, but no, no, I'm pretty sure it was real. I had a mad dream last night, though. I have crazy dreams at the moment. Um, in the dream, I was at a Polish mass. I've been to a Polish mass before in Galway. That's how unhinged I am. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make it illegal to go to mass soon, the way things are going. But like Polish mass, a, a non-Polish speaker. I like the singing. That's they do beautiful singing there in Slavic or Polish singing. I love that. And. Uh, but in the dream, I think the reason I had the dream, I had been talking about Decalogue with my friend Kieran from work. And uh, 
which is set in Poland. The first film involves a scene actually in a Polish church. I mean, it's, a fasc it's fascinating territory, those films, because it's basically late-era late communism with Catholicism, but coexisting. You couldn't have made films like that in Ireland, because in Ireland, the religion and the state were all part of the same kind of message. Definitely unhealthy. Um, so in Poland, it would have been different. Apparently, they used to show the films and have debates on TV about it, which I'd love to see. I have to get the Blu-ray special edition Decalogue and get myself a Blu-ray player, which isn't exactly that expensive these days, because I think it's all I really want to watch at the moment. And uh, lots of good juicy extras, I think, on the Blu-ray that you won't get on the DVD. And hopefully really nice, pristine, 4K scan. I mean, it's Criterion Collection, they're good. Because so, if it's not a rescan, I mean, if it's made from standard definition, that would be, I would not be happy with that. You know, I went to London once to see my favorite film, one of my favorites, Wings of Desire, a screening of it in a wonderful cinema called the Prince Charles Theatre, Prince Charles Cinema off Leicester Square. It's this great little old, slightly run down, I think, cinema. Um, and they show films that are like a few months out of date, or, you know, sometimes double bills of older films. So anyway, they advertised, and it was advertised under sort of 35 millimeter special, so it was advertised that it would be a 35 millimeter film print. That's what nailed it for me. And I flew to London, met a couple of friends over there as well and went to it. It turned out though, it ended up being a video print, which was a shame. Um, but it was still great to see it with people. You know, normally I've seen it on my own, you know, on the TV or computer or whatever. So let's get my fan going here. Where was I? From Flaps to Wings of Desire. I am the king of segways. That's right. Uh, I wonder, is that a skill that could be put to any proper use? Make an honest man of me. Earn some moolah in the real world instead of wasting my time here, walking on a treadmill, talking to myself. And my millions of fans, my producer reminds me. Uh, vineyards on the right. Straight road ahead. Blue sky. Telephone line cutting through the sky. Not much else I can say. A couple of trees here and there. So yeah, first late night one of these I've done in a while. Which is fine, I'm kind of a night owl anyway, but there's a tree blowing in the wind, I love that. No wonder Kurosami was attracted to that image in his film. In his one, there was a load of them, the tree, the winds was blowing through them. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I must um, watch some more of his films. As I said, I worked in a documentary about them, so I'm kind of familiar with them, but I've only watched two, I think. He works with a lot of non-actors, if he's working with kids, he'll find a way of getting them to say what he wants them to say without it feeling like they're rehearsing lines. You know, he'll have a conversation with them and they'll say things that he can use as dialogue. It's, it's all very clever, you know? It's all quite clever for an Iranian. <laughs> oh, I had to add that for a bit of controversy. No, I'm only, I'm only joking. Iranians are pretty smart. I call them Persians, but, because it sounds nicer. But I don't think all Iranians identify as Persian because there's an Iranian man who runs a coffee shop in Bray, County Wicklow, in that shopping center just as you're coming in from the Dublin side, uh, for anyone who's traveling through Bray. Uh, the shopping centre where Superquin was, it's now Super Value. Anyway, if you're in the vicinity, 
there's a cafe there in that shopping centre. And a very nice man runs it. But I, he's Iranian, but I, I used to use the term Persian, and I don't know, I just got the impression he didn't like it, so I stopped using it. Mind you, I, was, I think I was using it in the context to say that Persian women are beautiful. And maybe he didn't like that, I don't know. They are, though. Fact. Well, subjective fact. But then, there's beautiful people everywhere. My producer reminds me to add. Other, I was going to say other brands are available. As a joke, might be taken wrong. Other countries are available. Other nationalities are available. That's the thing on BBC now. You can't mention a brand name without saying other brands are available. See, I'm explaining the joke to get me out of hot water. So, fan on high. 4.4, that's a nice enough speed for me. Let's have some water here. What else was I going to talk about? Tommy Tiernan's show. I think I had something great lined up to talk about, and I said I should write that down. Of course, I didn't. Now, I've forgotten it. Sorry about that, folks. So, Tommy Tiernan last night. I haven't watched most of this season, and I realised... At the moment, I'm not really watching TV. I don't have time for it. And I don't really have the inclination either. But that's one show I want to watch. But I kind of say, well, I'll catch up with it later on the player. And I find when I say that, it doesn't happen. And it's like with these Decalogue films. I made an agreement with a Polish woman whom I met on Tinder mm-hmm, to watch the Decalogue films. We never met in the real world. She's in Galway, but I'm not sure if we will ever meet, really. But we watched those films together. So, but if I hadn't made that arrangement every Monday evening, I wouldn't be watching them. And I am busy, so, but if you schedule it, you can fit it in. So it's the same with Tommy Tiernan. I realize, yeah, I kind of have to try and watch it when it's on, because I, I never get around to watching it otherwise. And it's such a great show. He interviews people, he doesn't, he doesn't know who's going to come on. So last night, the first guy was a HIV activist, young guy. And he's just trying to spread the word because when I grew up, like in the 80s, I mean, I was a kid and obviously, you know, a virgin and all that, but not sexually active, but the whole AIDS thing blew up then. And Rock Hudson came out as gay and died of AIDS and it was all quite horrific. A lot of people died. Nowadays, they've got drugs that keep you from going from HIV to full-blown AIDS. So people, certainly in developed countries, maybe there's not that same a stigma, but also fear around it. So apparently the numbers are quite high in Ireland. You can control the HIV with the medication, but anyway, I'm turning this into a lecture. But no, I, I admired him. He was just so positive and nice guy. And he was just saying he wasn't even, um, what's the word, promiscuous. I think there's that kind of stereotype, gay promiscuous men getting AIDS, but All it takes is once, and it's not exclusive to gay people. Lecture over. I liked him, I admired him. I admired him for his positivity. If you pardon the pun, he had a t-shirt saying HIV positive, meaning it in a sort of double, double entendre type way. That sounds wrong. But that's his whole shtick. He's, you know, he's positive about it, but he's also positive about spreading the word. So the next guest was a guy from Sligo. I'd heard about him before and his daughter. He's a funeral director. He runs a funeral parlor, a funeral business in Sligo, also in Ballina, I think, in Mayo. He's from Enniscrown. Lovely beach there. But he also, he's famous for, he brought in really modern techniques. He studied over in Chicago how to... um, embalm corpses and using techniques that weren't used over here and he brought them back here. The stories he told about Chicago and dealing with kind of gangland figures, mafia and whatnot. And there was one Spanish um, crime lord who was in there, laid out in the coffin and then the people, the mourners left. 
And next thing he saw other people go into the room and he heard a bang. He was hiding away, he thought he was under, in danger. What they had done was they had shot the corpse in the face. Oh my God, this is explicit. Because it was part of their culture that, so that he wouldn't take their secrets with him to the afterlife. That was their tradition. <laughs> Strange tradition. I'd be like, if it was me dying, I'd say, please guys, trust me, I'll keep my mouth shut. Don't ruin my beautiful corpse. I think we're coming into Nakara now. It's just a strange little town where uh, I did not have a great experience. It wasn't terrible either, but just felt unfriendly. And as I said, the guy in the hostel was really rude. No, one key, third person, one key. No, one key between us, that was it. And then he's, my restaurant, where is? I'm like, I don't know where your restaurant is. Translation, what he was trying to say was, now, gentlemen, I will show you where my restaurant is. We didn't go to his restaurant because he was so rude to us. I don't know, there's a marketing tip for you. Here's my marketing tip of the day, if you like it. So my marketing tip is be polite and friendly to your customers and they may come back. Um, if you want to hear more of tidbits like that, tune into my marketing podcast called Marketing on a Treadmill. <laughs> Got to pay for that one, though. It's behind a paywall. Yep, I'm cashing in, kerching. So I hear, what do I hear? I thought I heard river or something there. Well, maybe not. So I got about 35 minutes to go. Great. I'm feeling okay. I didn't eat much today, but I also didn't move much, so it's fine. Didn't like. But I'm moving now. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay. Um, got my writing done, made my deadline, wrote near about six and a half thousand words could have back to five and I was kind of happy with them. Which is the first time in a while that I felt like that, which is good. I've got through that hump, hump that I've never got through on other attempted novels, so that's good. I got through because I have deadlines and I kind of have to, you know? I mean, I've paid in advance for the editing sessions, which is good, by the way. It's like, if I don't avail of them, that's tough luck. So no, it's kind of going well. I, I don't know if anyone. I enjoy the bits I most enjoy in the book. It's quite voicey, which apparently is good nowadays. First person. It's a little humorous and detached and ironic, but, but not always. I mean, I hate using the word ironic and I feel I'm selling myself a little short there. He's actually quite the character. He's quite, um, He's 35, but in some ways he's a bit intense, like he's got the intensity of a teenager. And there's all this, the best bits I enjoy writing are the fantasies. There's a bit now where he's jumped into the River Corrib in Galway, just trying to get away from the film festival scene. And uh, it was the easiest way to escape. So it wasn't a suicide attempt, but he's swimming out and he's out of his depth. And he kind of thinks, well, I could just let go. Oh, we're going to a vending machine here. That's a cue for me to have some water, I think. What's he going to buy? The last time he bought Orangina, I think. So I'm betting on Orangina. Any other takers? I give you two to one on Coke. Yeah. We mightn't see. Let's... This is a really uh, fascinating moment, cultural moment. And uh, he's put money in, I can confirm that. He's putting in more money. And yet more. So, lots of beeps, more coins. This is really um, never a dull moment on this Camino. I've just hit half an hour of walking now. Oh my God, how many coins is he gonna put in? Okay. 
Oh, he ejected them. This is full of twists and turns. It's uh, like a well-crafted thriller. Um, so, I, no, I think he's got a can. Now, will we see it? More beeps, more clicks and clanks. Surely we'll see it when he drinks it. I hope it's not Coke, because then I lose a lot of moolah, a lot of money. Peregrinos, pilgrims going by. Coming into Nachra. I used to think it was Nachera, but I think it's Nachra. Am I? What's he drinking? It's, oh no, it's fun. Well, it's an orange drink, so I'm kind of right. Yeah, that's, I knew he'd get some orangey thing. So I kind of win, don't I? Anyway, wasn't Coke, that's the main thing. So, um, where was I? Wherever was I? I'm going down to four kilometers an hour here. Oh, that's nice. Um, he's really knocking that back. I know the feeling. Oh, man. For me, most of the time it was water, 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 just constantly. Then one guy, an Irish guy I met near the end said, actually, you know, for the last stretch, you can't beat the Coke. Probably because it's got caffeine and a high sugar content. It did kind of work, I have to say. Don't be tempted to have a beer until you come to the end. That's deadly. Did that once or twice. Oh man, trying to start after that. Ooh. <laughs> nope. No, sorry. I do not recommend. Whatever accent that is, that's my generic foreign accent for, for any for talent scouts listening. Other generic foreign accents are available. <sighs> yeah, I'm in a good mood because I got my words written. Uh, who else was on? So the, so the guy on Tommy Tiernan, he's funeral director. So he, yeah, he learned all these embalming techniques in Chicago, brought them back to Ireland. Then he also... Um, he was kind of really hit the headlines when he, he got this plane, jumbo jet, a disused one from, I think, Shannon Airport or something, and brought it down along the sea, down or up to Enniscrone. And he set up a glamping area. I must, oh God, when lockdown's over, I gotta try and go there. Oh. So yeah, you can stay in the jumbo jet amongst other things. And, uh, but he was great for the area, just lots of people. He put the place on the map and lots of people set up little businesses and things went well. You gotta admire people like that. For me, they're the real heroes, not the cold evil corporations. What was that in The Simpsons, an ad for Fruitopia, which is an actual thing. I think I thought at the time it was a made up brand. But what do they say in the ad? Fruitopia, made by hippies, but marketed by a cold, ruthless corporation. <laughs> a lot of that about. What was this I read or heard somewhere? Don't, um, we need our art to be sincere because capitalism is so insincere. I think there's a lot of truth about that. That's why when there's too much irony bandied about, bandied about I'm like, oh man, really? in the name of art. like That's why I really, I don't think my book is ironic. It's the character sometimes supplies ironic distance. Oh, BK, please. That's very rude. Of course, in some cultures, it's considered polite to, to belch. Did you know that? Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, fascinating. Um, where was I? Okay, you put me off my stride, my friend. I was just saying, I was talking about clamping. Oh my God, I've totally lost my train of thought. Oh, got a message on my phone there. Um, where was I? So he comes back to Ireland, he sets up his business. I was going to say something, oh God. Da, 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 let me think now. It was all set. It was going to be amazing. Oh, man. Okay. Let it go, James. Let it go. Um, it was mid-sentence. 
And then BK burped, and it's gone. So I was talking about the guy setting up the business, talking about traveling after lockdown, glamping, and a scrum. Oh, it was something totally different. His daughter was on with him too. They're McGowan's, that's the name. And she um, also trained, I'd heard her before in the radio, she had also trained as a, um, an embalmer. And, but she's also a harpist. She trades as Breedjean. Yeah, I think she's Breed McGowan. She trades as Breedjean. And she plays the harp and sings. And she plays the harp with kind of lots of effects pedals plugged into it. So she sang at the end. It was all quite ethereal. Um, yeah, I quite liked it, I, the overall effect. Need to hear some more. Um, I do like guitars with effects pedals. I'm partial to that, all right, so why not harp? My friend Mary O'Hara, retired singer and harpist. I wonder what she would have made. Hmm, Mary's tough customer. I must give her a call. I don't know, I haven't heard, talked to her in a while because of lockdown and everything. She was a legend in her day. Still is, if you ask me. Google her there. She was famous. She was like famous in mainly UK and, and States, I think, and Ireland to a certain degree too. I used to hear her on the radio when I was a kid. Then she left. She married an American theologian. He died young. She became a nun. Left that and married a priest. He passed away recently and I met her sometime just after I did the Camino. I've talked about her already here. She's got a light in her eyes. She goes to church every day. But she would say to me, if the Vatican ended tomorrow, you could still be a practicing Catholic. So she's not doctrinaire in that sense. She's also done a lot of research. She reads theology all the time and she's read about the history of religion. And she would say, Ireland, Irish priests, a lot of them trained in the past, trained in France and picked up a thing called Jansenism, a type of practice which was kind of more like Calvinism in some ways than Catholicism, I think. And it was, uh, she would say that had a real negative effect on the Irish church. By the way, I heard a great guy, Derek Scally, who writes for the Irish Times, talking about his book the other day, and he's, um, He's asking in the book about, you know, all the awful things that were done by the church here. It's like, where were we when it happened? Because that's the one thing that hasn't happened in Ireland is the kind of ownership. Like it wasn't, it was a societal problem as well. People don't want to hear that, but it was a societal problem. The church was part of that, but so were we. And people don't want to hear that, but he reckons now is the time, you know, 20 or 30 years after the stuff, really bad stuff came out. It's important to have that reckoning. But if you just want to blame it on the bogey monster, fair enough. Seems to be where we're at at the moment. Mary's a good advertisement, certainly for, I know someone said to me, there's no such thing as good religion. That's probably a common opinion in Ireland now. She's certainly a good advertisement for practice of the faith. That doesn't mean blind adherence to the Vatican in her case either. Um, she's got a light in her eyes, I'm telling you. If you met her, you'd know. The third guest on Tommy Tiernan was Father Peter McVeary. People say he's the closest thing to a living saint. I'm sure he'd hate being called that. No, no one is perfect, but he is inspiring. He works with the homeless in Dublin. He grew up in a well-to-do family. And when he encountered homelessness, he realized that was his mission to deal with that. And not just homelessness, just um, people in poor, deprived areas who never have real opportunity. And he says, neoliberalism is, you know, one of the great evils of our time. Actually, I'm, I'm, he may, I don't know if he said exactly that, but he certainly is not a fan. I think I realize, you know, 
when I put when I look at him and then I look at people who espouse neoliberalism, they're not all evil people. But the philosophy, for want of a better word, I think is evil. That said, communism wasn't a barrel of laughs, certainly in the iterations of what we saw. You need something. It seems you need something in between. Okay, enough politics. Uh, let's go straight to our uh, competition here. We're giving away, what are we giving away? Bottle of water signed by me. Um, the question is, are you listening to my podcast? Answers on a postcard, please. This is kind of nice, this part of the um, city or town. This is sort of old buildings. Um, I have no other comments to make, though. Ah, I'm really annoyed that I lost my train of thought there earlier. So, there you go, you'll have that. Anyway, we've got like about 110 more of these to go. Haven't I? What is this? Day. Did I say 48? I can't even remember. Anyway. So, tomorrow's Monday, back to work. Things getting a little busy at work, that's okay. Do you know something? It's better when it's busy, I'm more efficient. Most people find that. Busy but not overwhelmed, that's the ideal. Overwhelmed isn't good. But busy, and then it encourages you to be efficient and get things done well. If you're less busy, things can kind of, the work can spread out a bit longer sometimes. Or so I'm led to believe. So, uh, yeah, we just, uh, I've been walking now for three kilometers about, nearly. And uh, so what have we got left, 18 minutes? So, coming up to six hours. And then one more hour and we will be done with our day, with BK's day eight. So yeah, we're in Nachra now walking through it. Um, I stayed here with Mark from New Zealand. And uh, you wanna know? Well, I might as well tell you now we're in Nacre. I didn't meet Julia from Roma. So I missed her in Lagronia. I'm pretty sure she went on to Azofra. So you're wondering, you're wondering, what did I do about that? I'll tell you tomorrow. Keep, keep listening, keep tuning in. Keep those dollars coming. Yeah, I'm still a bit short of money to buy that apartment in Manhattan. I mean, it's all very well having a house in um, Malibu and, uh, and a house in Hampstead, London. But, you know, realistically, you're nobody without a house in, Man in Manhattan or an apartment, right? That's, you really haven't made it. Yeah, so at the end of this bridge to the left, I'm pretty sure that's where a lot of the restaurants are. And then we went left and stayed up in that hostel with the rude owner who made me laugh, he was so rude. I had no other response other than laughter. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't look as bad as I remember. Sometimes you just have a bad experience somewhere, that's all. So, met other people who had a great experience. They met a woman who invited them for paella, paella, if that's how you pronounce it. Oh, I didn't see the restaurants to the left there. Okay, we're continuing now. Overtaking two locals. Oh, and we're going not straight. Okay. Onwards and upwards. Onwards, Christian soldiers. <laughs> yeah, that street here we're looking at. Oh, he's going up this street. I remember this. No, the hostel I was in was at the end of this, I think. There should be Pharmathea 
on the right somewhere. Looks like it's uh, siesta time again. I bought pseudocrim or zinc ointment, zinc hydroxide or whatever in this pharmacy. You may be interested to know which came in use for the next day. That's all I'm saying. Uh, okay, I've said too much. I've said too much. Here we go, Pharmathea. Uh, it's a fair guess on the main street there'll be a, phar a pharmacy, right? It's probably where I went. The feeling I bought a cigar. Did I? In the tobacconist? Did Mark and I have a cigar? I could be imagining it. I don't know. I haven't had a cigar in a while, but I do like the old cigar. I'm partial to them. I mean, really, once in a blue moon. Last one I had was in Belgium. My brother bought it for me. It was like a 14-year-old cigar or something. With a couple of glasses of beer. Oh, heaven. <laughs> yeah. In the sun. Nice. Hello, when can we know? It's really quiet here, really quiet. I guess it's siesta time. Let's not wake them up. So, will we pass the place I was staying? I'm trying to think. Well, it's somewhere up here on the right, I think. Will I recognize it? If, our, if the hostel owner is outside shouting, then I know. I'll know. so quiet. Oh man, I wish we had siestas here. I might bring it up at a work meeting tomorrow. Hey, I was just thinking we should have siestas. Sure that'll go down well with the management. And we got an outdoor dining area here. BK is just moving on. Moving on swiftly. Nachera to Ezofra. You see, I should have gone to Azofra that this day, and I may have met Julia from Roma. I'm not saying I didn't meet her at some stage. I'm uh, withholding that information for, for uh, dramatic purposes, as you understand. Wherefore art thou, Julia? Maybe that's what I'll call this episode. What do you think? Hey, eh? what? What? Not bad, eh? <laughs> Bad at all, old chap. So let's see now. Pizza. No, it's not pizza on the right. I think the uh, hostel owner, the rude hostel owner, his restaurant may have been a pizzeria. Yeah. I'm mixing it up in my head though with a pizzeria behind a Quality Inn hotel in Queens, New York, where I stayed. I don't know why I would mix up the two, but there you go. Maybe because it's sunny. God, I'm really uh, rabbiting on now. Buen Camino, hello. Are there locals? Why am I saying Buen Camino to them? So, a mother and a son, I dare say. We've got some washing hanging overhead here, I think. Is that what it is? Do you ever see that when they hang shoes on the um, telephone lines? It's supposed to be a sign that there's drugs in the area, but I don't know, you just see it so much. And I'd be like, if I was looking for drugs, I'd be like, well, are those new shoes or the ones from before? How do you know, you know? How do they take them down? Hmm. They get them up, they have to throw them and they kind of spin around it. And I guess they could shoot them down. I've given this much thought. Now, what's this up here? What are we looking at on our right? A church or something? Hmm. So quiet. Yeah, and you want me to sing Bjork? Sure. It's oh so quiet. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'd need to use um, auto-tune to fix my voice. And uh, I don't have time for that. So uh, I just want to check my uh, heart points. Bear with me. 30 heart points today. All right. So I've done, for this week, I've already done 220 heart points out of 150. So I'm way ahead. Heart points are like 
something like just over three miles an hour. Or, I don't know, 4.5 kilometers an hour or something. So I can stay at four kilometers an hour now. Got about 10 minutes to go. Totally have things to talk about. Third guest, so Tommy's first guest, HIV uh, activist. Second guest, the McGowan's father and daughter team, funeral directors from Sligo, and she's also a harpist and singer. They were really enjoyable. The third one, Peter McVerry, absolute, just gent. Um, I'm going to say legend. I'm sure he hates that, but priest who works with the poor and homeless and disaffected. And uh, I'm just so full of admiration for him. I, uh, yeah, as he said, it's so easy to just click things on Facebook but it doesn't mean anything. He's actually doing it. Uh, he was saying, you know, whether you give money to someone in the street or not uh, isn't the most important thing. He said, you know, at least don't ignore them. Say hello to them. See them. And he said, so what if they go and buy drugs? Which isn't what you meant to say, but I know what he means. That's, they're gonna buy them anyway somehow, but that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem is a society that, I don't know, pushes them down that road. I think it was certainly part of the problem. I'm not totally excluding personal, what's the word, um, you know, Ah, uh, what is the word? Responsibility. <laughs> Life is definitely, I consider it a balancing act between personal responsibility and a certain degree of good or bad fortune. And maybe if you believe in it or if you're lucky enough to experience it, maybe some of God's grace which you could use other terms for as well. You know, the universe or whatever, giving you something. I'm not into this cosmic ordering, especially the kind of materialistic aspects of it, but whatever floats your boat. I know people who talk a lot about it, but it doesn't seem to be working for them. But then I woke up one day, said I want a kitten. And two hours later, I find Bobby, my cat, little kitten inside. The engine of my car so that was the best cosmic gift in the world you could not put a monetary value on that i mean that from the bottom of my heart and bk's turning around he's going the wrong way again what are you doing bk what are you doing to me Jesus, you have me heart broke so you do wherefore art thou julia that would be today's name why not? Eh? What, what? Why not? I should really try and edit a couple of these podcasts tonight. Because I'm out of three to edit. I should do one at least. Anyway, so I'm in Vancouver walking along. This is a segue from Peter, Father Peter McVerry. I'm walking along, there's a beggar on the street. And I remember thinking, no, it's, he didn't offer me a flap. <laughs> Yeah, at this stage it was like, yeah, maybe I was looking for one that day. No, I wasn't. God. God, I'm going to get in trouble for all the crazy things I say here. Yeah, maybe I went up to him, hey, do you know where I can get a flap? And he goes, what's a flap? I'm like, ooh. I'm all embarrassed. I'm like, I don't know, but <laughs> apparently they cost a tenner. <laughs> oh, God. Shouldn't be joking about such things. But there you go. It, it passes the time. So... Um, but uh, this guy, anyway, I remember seeing him and I just had this thought. There's quite a lot of beggars in, in parts of Vancouver from my memory. I was like, oh God, I'm not in the mood for this, you know. He's going to beg for me now and I'm like, oh man, you know. I don't have money, I just can't do this. But if I, as I remember it, I walked by and he didn't say anything. Or maybe he did and I ignored him. 
But all I know is that I was carrying a pizza box. I'd had a pizza somewhere and I'd wrapped the leftovers, a couple of slices, in a box to take home. So I passed them by, whatever happened, whether there was any interaction or not, I can't remember. But then I turned back and I said, hey, would you like some pizza? And his face just lit up and our eyes met and he said, hey, thanks, buddy. That's all it was, but, and I'm certainly, hey, not trying to cast myself as a saint because I need to do a bit better than that. I remember this road, by the way, because on this road here, okay, I'm gonna tell you for tomorrow. The next day, so I said to Mark, oh, I never met Julia, she must be in Azofra. I'd made this big story about her in my head then. It's like, no, I want to see her. <laughs> and he said, well, maybe you should get up early and get ahead to his office. So the next day I started at something ridiculous. Could it be 4.30 a.m.? Ridiculous. With, you know, a headlamp on me, you know, those lights on your head, walking through. I just remember walking through woods, narrower than this, I think. I also remember there was something back there in Nakara before you exited, which was, there was some nice, interesting building or church or something. I remember I met an Irish woman there, actually, I think. It's all coming back to me now. But, um, but yeah, just saying to the um, homeless guy on the street, just offering him pizza, recognizing him, doing something nice. The point is, it feels great for you when you do that. When you do it, just expecting nothing and not, not trying to be a saint or anything, just, hey, you want some pizza? But I just remember the way his eyes lit up. And minutes, a minute before that, I was feeling full of kind of, ah, uh, another beggar. You know, I was feeling negative feelings towards him. And uh, it's nice in life when you can kind of maybe reframe um, things, approach someone from a different angle and uh, sometimes works out. I didn't get a flap, by the way. <laughs> oh, I had to bring it back to that, didn't I? I had to bring it back to that. I could call this episode, give me $10 and I'll give you a flap, but I'm not. I'm gonna call it Where For Art Thou, Julia, because that's much nicer. And also references Mr. Shakespeare, is, you know, rather than lowering the tone, the other one might arouse more curiosity, or it might arouse something anyway. <laughs> I think I'm marking the last three eps as explicit. I think they all might be in some way or another, including this one. As of tomorrow, we're going clean again. Clean, high-minded, holy, spiritual. Okay? So, uh, I hope I'm able to get up early tomorrow and do one before work. As I said, it's coming up to midnight now here. Um, let's see how we get on. So, uh, don't have too long left now. I have da -da. two minutes, is it? Something, yeah. I can do that. So, stay tuned to find out tomorrow. Do I catch up with Julia? from Roma. So yeah, basically I would have been walking this path here at a ridiculously, ridiculously early hour in search of Julia from Roma. So I've got a minute to go about And I hope you found today fascinating, educational, deep, humorous, all of the above. We certainly aim to please and our mission is to be the podcast to end all podcasts. And I think we're getting there. We supply all the needs, entertainment, drama, information, philosophy, religion, um, you name it. Sports, we talk about sports sometimes, don't we? Yeah, we talked about Serena Williams, Mayo football team, um, and other sports events. Diego Maradona, etc. Okay, so 30 seconds to go. You say, no, don't go. Sorry, guys, I have to. 
Hey, I got a, I got a job to go to in the morning, you know? I also got to edit. Am I gonna, no, I'm not gonna edit one of these tonight. Maybe I will, let's see. So anyway, uh, well, give me $10 if I give you a flap, is the quote of the day. I think that's safe to say. And we're coming up to an hour. So God bless, good luck, buen camino, and see you on the other side.